Action Network podcast. It's time! Welcome into the Action Network podcast. This is your UFC Fight Night 208 betting preview. Brendan Glasheen with Action Network senior writer Sean Zarillo and former professional MMA fighter, MMA analyst Billy Ward. UFC Fight Night 208 in Vegas. We got 11 fights to cover, six on the main card, five prelims. I say that, but we don't touch on every fight, folks. We get to what we're going to have action on for the uh, for the weekend. So we'll get to the guys' fight of the night, the fight that they are eyeing besides the main event. They're picks, underdog plays, favorite props. Billy will give us a look at the DFS angles for the weekend and then best bets. First, the main event, Jan Blahovich, Alexander Rakic, who is a big-time prospect. That is the main event for the weekend, a lightweight, heavy, light heavyweight bout, excuse me. Uh, Sean Zarillo, kind of a challenging card here in terms of how to approach it from a betting standpoint. So what angle are you leaning and going to take the biggest question mark in the main event is Jan's neck injury. Now he closed as a minus 300 favorite in his title fight against Glover Teixeira ended up losing his belt via second round submission, I believe, but he never looked right. Glover was cranking on his neck a little bit, looked very uncomfortable. And then he submitted to a rear naked choke before it was even fully locked in. He looked like he wanted to be out of there pretty quickly Ended up having neck surgery after that fight, which ended up delaying the first booking of this fight with Rocket. So I kind of wanted to bet Jan coming into this fight, especially plus money. He's been consistently one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC. I mentioned he closed closed minus 300 against Lover and lost his big favorite. But he was plus 225 against Israel Adesanya, around the same price against Dominic Reyes in that interim title fight. Or I believe that might have been a, a full title unification bout. Around the same price against Luke Rockhold over plus 200. So he's had a winning streak where he was consistently underrated as an underdog, kept coming through, lost as a big favorite. Now you're getting an underdog price here and technically what I would view as a step down. That said, the neck injury is extremely concerning. I don't really know what to make of it, but skill for skill, I don't think he should be this big of an underdog. I view him as the better striker, especially in a kickboxing match. Rockage likes to throw a leg kick. Jan is going to check every single one of those. Fantastic at checking leg kicks. Big part of the reason he beat Adesanya. Better boxer potentially in the pocket. I think he's the better striker overall. Maybe Rockich has the grappling upside. Perhaps he can hold him down for 25 minutes. Jan's a black belt and he's a very good grappler and he's an underrated grappler at that. So I think Jan would be the side from a money line perspective if I wasn't concerned, so concerned about that injury. I did bet the fight to go the distance. Plus 115, plus 120 out there. I would take it as low as plus 110. Projected this around 53%, so minus 115. Like it at plus money. Just don't love the angle of Jan's neck injury. Maybe he just doesn't want to be in there anymore, and he gets hurt in a fashion coming off of that neck surgery. But I think that's the best way to play the fight, in my opinion. Jan to win the fight on the money line, plus 165 on BetMGM. Rockage at minus 200. Billy Ward, your angle for the main event. Yeah, Sean made most of the points for me. I do think Jan is the far better technical striker. He might have a little bit less power overall than Rakic, but pretty much every other way, he's the better striker. I also think he has some grappling upside. We saw him use it against Izzy. I think he's probably going to be the heavier fighter when they actually step into the cage. He might be able to do a little bit of bully fighting just to keep him down. But unlike Sean, I'm willing to look past the neck injury and lay on Blackovich 
uh, money line. I'm seeing plus 170 at DraftKings. You know, we just saw Aljamain Sterling coming off a neck injury, neck surgery. Looked fine. Looked honestly better than we saw him before the injury. So this could be one of those things that was lingering before, and he's actually going to come out better than prior to the surgery. We obviously don't know that, and that's why we're getting the price we are on Blahovich. but I'm willing to take that chance. And then, like Sean said, I do think there's a much better chance this goes to decision than the markets are giving it. So I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on Jan by decision at plus 400 with the best line also coming in DraftKings. Any thoughts on that, Sean? Yeah, I, I project pretty much around where Jan's price is by decision. And I saw slight value on Rockage by decision. I think I made that closer to plus 180. You can get some plus 200 out there. So if you want to pick a side on this fight, get a bit juicier of a price. I would take either by their winning method prop by decision. I think those are those are probably the best numbers in terms of the prop market. But on the money line side, I agree with Billy. Just prefer that goes the distance. And you may get a, a 3-2 decision going either way where the margins are a bit thin. Yeah, it's certainly tempting with Rockich. Again, he's got big-time prospect potential. He is a big-time prospect. So we'll see if he uh, turns some sort of a corner and he has some eye-popping performance. Moving on to favorite underdog for the weekend at UFC Fight Night 208. Of course, we encourage all of you to shop those lines, look for the best price when looking for that underdog play. It's always a fun way to get involved in UFC betting. Sean, you first. Favorite underdog play? Yeah, so UFC debutant here and Miguel Torres going against Frank Camacho. Camacho, double the fight experience. High-level competition in the UFC's face. Guys like Drew Dober, Benil Darius, Jeff Neal, the leech. That said, he's 2-5 and five in his last seven, but mostly facing top-end talent. And now he's taking a step down in competition, or what I view as a step down in competition, against the guy coming off a contender series. I like to bet against these guys coming off a contender series when they're facing a UFC vet. Typically, debutants against UFC vets win 4% less than the market lines them, 4% less than expectations. So I think there is value typically in fading debutants and particularly the guys coming off a contender series. Camacho, very, very well-rounded, good striker, has a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. So I think he has some grappling upside here too. He's got nuked in his last fight by Justin Janes coming in on short notice. He's still only 32 years old. I don't think he's necessarily shot. I mean, maybe he is, but at 32, I don't think that that's any bit of a guarantee. So much more experience, face much better competition, going against the debutante and getting a plus money number. I project this fight closer to a coin flip. I think you kind of have to bet him down to even money here. There's just not a lot of tape on Torres, so he's a bit of an unknown. But the fact that he came in through contender series, I think is enough to take a bet against him. Favorite underdog play, Billy. Yeah, real quick. I'm I'm with Sean on that one. And I think part of the way the line is reason the line is what it is. Torres technically won by TKO in his contender series fight, but if you watch the tape, it looks like he either eye gouged or like raked his opponent's eye and then finished him off and Herb didn't see the eye poke. So people that are just looking at the results and the win loss, I think are probably overvaluing Torres a little bit. So I, I'm totally with Sean on that. And my uh, favorite underdog is also a UFC veteran against a contender series debutante so i'm looking at alan nascimento against jack hadley and hadley actually looked fairly good in his contender series bout but there were just some flaws i saw he was able to get hit way too many times he was the taller fighter in that fight but won't be against nascimento and i think nascimento who trains with Oliveira and the shooter box guys is probably going to have the muay thai to piece him up on the feet and then hadley was just really willing to accept the takedown and work off his back he looked pretty dangerous off his back 
But against a guy like Nascimento, who I believe is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, I don't think that holds up as well. So I think that's a dangerous game to play if Nascimento wants to force the grappling. And I also think he has the striking advantage. Headley might be the better wrestler, but if he's just going to accept takedowns and try to play from his guard, that's not really a good way to win rounds, especially. And then he needs to find the submission, which is tough against the black belt. So you can get Nascimento as high as plus one at 88 on FanDuel. And then again, on top of all that, just everything Sean's saying, we've got a UFC veteran, albeit only one fight taking on a guy fresh off the contender series. I usually look to fade those contender series guys as well. And it's not even the fact that he only has one fight. He trains with Charles Oliveira, trains at a really good camp. Hadley, more of a grappler coming from England. We never see those those British grapplers really have a ton of success. So I, I just generally trust the camp that Nascimento is coming from in the background that he's trained in as opposed to Hadley as well. John and Billy's fight of the night. They are targeting a DC versus Marvel matchup. Ryan's <laughs> fan, Superman, the hot prospect who is ranked going into this fight, taking on Ian Kutelaba, the Hulk. Kutelaba is at minus 225 on the money line for the fight. Span at plus 185. Um, Sean, why is this uh, fight something that jumps out to you and how is the, what's the right way to go about it? Violence, the under one and a half here lined around minus 150, minus 160. I'm actually leaning towards playing that under one and a half. Both guys, very, very fast starters. Neither has particularly great cardio. Now, Kutalaba did show improved cardio in his last fight. Thought that was the best he's ever looked, but he is the smaller fighter here. Span four inches taller, four inch reach advantage, hits very hard. I think Kutalaba is a bit more durable bit better cardio, but this is a high variance fight. And I'm not really interested in laying a minus 225 on Kutalaba. Maybe if it was closer to minus 200, I would consider jumping in, but probably looking at that under one and a half rounds. Maybe I'll jump in on Kutalaba live after round one if his price improves, because I do think he maybe has a cardio advantage. Both these guys, fast starters. I expect Kutalaba to ultimately win because he does have the wrestling and grappling advantage, in my opinion. Span hasn't looked great when you're able to put him on the ground, but he's a very powerful guy. Wouldn't be surprised if either finds a finish on the feet and rather quickly. Span a bit fragile, though. Once he gets hit, he tends to fold rather quickly as well. So bit of a front runner. I think Kutalaba maybe sustains more for 15 minutes, give him more decision equity, maybe more finish equity too. So I do, I do see him as a justifiable favorite. Just don't love the price. Not really sure how I'm betting this yet. Like I said, I lean to the under one and a half rounds. The fight not to go the distance, I believe is around minus 400. That under one and a half at minus 140, minus 150, I think is a fair number considering how both of these guys fight and we should see a lot of action early. What do you got for us, Billy? How are you, uh, you, you leaning to the dog here? To a degree. Um, Sean said yeah. minus 400, the fight not to go to a decision is now minus 450 is what I'm seeing all across the industry. So definitely really high odds of stoppage. And then we've also got span at between plus 180 and 200, depending on where you're looking. So that's saying he's got about a one-third chance of winning, and this fight is, what, 80-ish percent chance to finish inside the distance? So you can get Span at plus 400 inside the distance if you parlay those things together at Caesars. And it's just a pure math play. Like, that should really be closer to plus 300 if you math it out at all the best lines you can get on those. But I'm also with Sean where I, I think Kutalaba has a huge cardio advantage. So if I don't get Span after the first round and we're seeing a better line on Kutalaba, I'm definitely going to hit that live bet too. Just – you know, we haven't seen great cardio from either guy, but Span really empties the tank right away. Even when he's going to get taken down, he tries to squeeze guillotines to death instead of staying calm and getting back to his feet. If he doesn't get it early, I think he loses. So that way, if we uh, play the inside the distance of plus 400, hopefully we can get the live bet on Kudalaba at plus money, make money either way. 
another light heavyweight heavyweight bout on the main card. Uh, one of six on the main card this week. Five prelims. Again, you're tuned into the Action Network podcast, UFC Fight Night 208 betting preview. Brendan Glasheen with Billy Ward and Sean Zarillo. Moving on to the prop market. Favorite prop on the board for the weekend, Sean. Going to take Nick Maximov by submission here at plus 350. Projected it closer to plus 340. Now I'm not a fan of Maximov whatsoever. But I'm really not a fan of Andre Petrovsky either. I think both guys have had very soft runs to start their UFC careers. Maximov might have even lost his last fight to Puna Soriano. That said, I expect this to mostly be a grappling affair. I do think Petrovsky is the better natural wrestler. But the way Maximov fights, he just sort of clings on to you, finds a way to get you down to the mat. And Petrovsky's cardio isn't particularly great. So ultimately, I expect Maximov to grind on him for a large part of this part of this fight. Tire Petrovsky out and eventually maybe lock in a submission. View him as the better submission grappler. Maybe not the better wrestler, but the better grappler overall. So Maximov by submission plus 350 won't be a big bet for me. If you want to throw it in round robins, et cetera, I think it's a good way to juice up some parlays. Billy, you got something for us with some really long odds. Yeah, I'm getting way off the board here on this one, but this is supposed to be the long shot prop segment. So everybody bear with me. That's right. But uh, I'm targeting the Verma Jandaroba versus Angela Hill fight. And you can get this fight to end by split, or I'm sorry, Jandaroba to win by split or majority decision at plus 800 on DraftKings. But uh, I'm just seeing a stylistic thing here that I think can be tricky for judges, where Angela Hill throws a ton of volume and Verma usually gets outstruck. If you look at her UFC stats, she takes more than she gives. But Verma also usually gets a takedown after three, four, a bunch of attempts. So this is going to be really hard for judges. So am I going to give the round to the girl who landed more strikes, even though she got taken down at the end? Or am I going to do the give it to the person who got the takedown, but it took three or four attempts and her opponent was defending it? And, you know, judges really aren't great at weighing that grappling versus striking thing because it's hard. There's no good way to quantify how many strikes a takedown is worth or whatever. So I really think this is one that has a better than usual chance of ending that way. I like Jandaroba just with the grappling upside where I think judges tend to err a little bit on the side of the takedown, though they've gotten much better at that in recent years. But you can also just get the fight to go to split or majority at plus 425. Angela Hill has, I think, gone to a split decision in three of her last five fights. This is just a common thing with her and a lot of female fights where they're not doing a ton of damage. But my money's on Jandaroba, but I like both of those bets at fairly long odds. Yeah, I looked at Verna by submission a little bit. Uh, I think if she gets on top of Hill, she'll be very dangerous. We've seen Angela get mounted rather quickly. She doesn't normally face this level of submission grapplers typically. So I think Verna could finish her, but I agree. If this goes the full 15 minutes, Angie's definitely going to be landing the more significant strikes on the feet. And it's going to be a tough one to score. She is a split decision queen, usually comes out on the wrong end of those. So I like where Billy's mind is going. I'd also take a look at the submission prop as well. And now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then, choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from 2 to over 25 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's not a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with a tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together, so stop what you're doing 
and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action and sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, back to the show. Uh, It is a weird slate, Billy, because with the 11 fights, it kind of messes up with how you project not only ownership, but salaries too. I mean, we've only got three fighters that are north of $9,000, got a bunch of fighters in that 8K range and a bunch in that 7K range per huge. But again, it's like, how do you go about roster putting together a roster for this weekend when it's just, when there's a couple less fights, it does make it a little tricky. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is obviously you just don't want to have your lineups duplicated in tournaments. It might be unavoidable in some of the huge ones, but the, my favorite way to do that, and I've mentioned this in the past, is just don't spend all or close to all of your salary. We've only got, what was it, three fighters at 9000 or more? Yes. Yeah, and Maximov is the only one I'm really all that interested in. Sean kind of laid out the case why and his problem with him, but he just lands a ton of takedowns. I think he has like 14 or 15 across two fights. That also means he's not good at keeping a guy down. You can't land two takedowns in a round if you don't let the guy back up. But from a daily fantasy standpoint, where you get five points for each of those takedowns, I'm going to be pretty heavy on Maximoff. And then we've got Kudalaba Span that at minus 450 to end inside the distance. You probably want one of those guys, but it's a little scary. They both start so hard and could tire out that they could rack up a lot of points in the first round, but then that one could end up pretty boring. And then, you know, I'm thinking about adding the Sean Zarillo section to my DFS article that I write every week. And it is the underdog female fighter who I love for cash games, which Sean has put me on. And this week, it's Amanda Hebus. Um, She throws a ton of volume in most of her fights. It's really unlikely in betting markets to stop early. And Caitlin Chikugian doesn't stop anyone. So this is another one where I think Hebus has a little bit of grappling slash submission upside. But even if she doesn't win the fight, she's probably going to put a decent put up a decent score for cash games. I'm mostly avoiding that for tournaments. You know, if he just gets a quick submission, could she end up in the optimal? Yeah, I don't think it's the likeliest, but she's like my favorite cash game play. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Uh, Chukagian typically goes to decision, bit of a point fighter. I could see her hurting Rebos on the feet, but I agree. That's if if Rebos doesn't get a finish on the ground, it's likely to go the full 15 minutes. So uh, she should definitely put up some volume and give you a pretty safe floor uh, in that fight at, at a pretty decent price as well. And it's, it's a little bit scarier just because she's going up a weight class, Hebus, that is. So, like, if her chin wasn't great at 115, how's it going to do at 125? I'm slightly concerned of that, but it's an ugly slate. There's only 11 fights, guys. we got to take on some risk somewhere here. We can't get everything we want. Right. You're going to have to – there's going to be some implied risk when you find fighters in that 7K range and definitely opportunities for a balance build with just three fighters north of $9,000. Good stuff as always, Billy, on the DFS front. Let's move on to best bets for UFC Fight Night 208. Sean Zarillo, we'll start with you. Yeah, Billy already talked about the hadley Nascimento fight. He's on the Nascimento side. I actually like this fight to go to a decision at minus 115, projected it closer to 50 or 60% and minus 150. I actually could see this playing out in a similar way to the Gato and Cortez fight that we had last week where Hadley's laying on top and Nascimento's guard. Nascimento's trying to threaten with submissions and isn't able to pull them off. Now, Nascimento on the feet, 
I actually might prefer his striking, and I think getting him at the underdog price is pretty solid, but I am worried that he just gets held down because he does like to play guard, and he's content to lay there. So if they end up just laying on top of one another for 15 minutes, I would not be surprised at all. I think both guys are pretty durable as well. Hadley is undefeated in his career. Looks like a pretty tough guy. So projected this closer to 60%, minus 150. Would probably bet it up to minus 125, minus 130, the fight to go to a decision between Hadley and Nascimento. All right, Billy, take us home. What do you got? Best bet. Yeah, as to Sean's point real quick, this seems like a fight. That fight seems like whoever shoots first is going to win that round because both guys are just so happy to fall to their back and play guard. And when you have two guys who are both really good grapplers, I don't think that's a good strategy, but we'll probably see it. But, uh, no, I'm looking at the Amanda Hebus money line. You know, I mentioned her in the DFS section. You can get her as high as plus 160 on Caesars. And I think she just throws so many more punches than Chikugian, where if it doesn't look like either of them are landing a lot of damage, that looks really good to the judges when you're landing more. We've seen this come up in recent fights. Arlovsky versus Collier was a big one where a lot of people were upset at the decision. But if it doesn't look like either fighter is hurting the other one, it's really hard for judges to go by anything based on the total amount. And then I also think Hebus is the better grappler. I hope she's able to get inside the much longer reach and get a takedown. She's got a little bit of submission upside, but I think she probably takes it on volume if it stays standing for most of the time. And as long as she can mix in a takedown or two, I think at plus 160, that's a pretty good price on her. My concern with Hebus and, and the grappling here, you mentioned it, Billy. She's coming up from 115 to 125, six inches shorter. And a lot of her takedowns are upper body stuff. She's a judo player. So I don't know if she's going to be able to get the leverage to take shoot to the ground, but I do think, you know, you, like you said, the stats, the volume on the feet could be relatively close. Chukagian is a point fighter. Don't really see her knocking out girls at a high clip. Maybe since Rebos is a bit smaller, she gets her with, with additional power coming up, but I just don't see the grappling upside necessarily for Hebos here, which is why I ended up going against her. But listen, she's, a, an adorable fighter. Her personality is completely infectious. I like watching her fight. So it's very tough for me to bet against her, but I may have to, may have to lay a little bit of juice on shoot. Yeah. I actually like that height discrepancy. I, I had a judo background as a fighter and I had a much easier time taking down taller, longer people just because once you can get inside and get hooks and stuff, you can control them a lot easier. Like I could never take down like the five, 770 pound wrestler, but those tall skinny fighters like that, where I, I could see that being an advantage for her. It's going to be harder for her to get inside, but once she does, I think it's actually easier to land the takedowns. Good stuff. All right, gents. Always great to talk to you every Friday on the Action Network podcast. That is when you get your UFC betting previews. Thus concludes the UFC Fight Night 208 betting preview. For Action Network senior writer Sean Zarillo, former professional MMA fighter, Billy Ward, Brendan Glasheen, again, every Friday we join you. Good luck this weekend, folks, and we will catch you next week. See ya.